Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. Thank you. Y'all are kind. Good morning. It's good to see you. You look good, most of you. Give your neighbor an elbow if it's not them. Oh, man. So um, just to be really honest with you, as I've been preparing for this series, I've spent probably as much time on my face as I have making notes. Um, So I'm not uh, preaching something that I have all together. Um, Instead, I'm just uh, diving into Scripture, into God's heart, and giving you what God's been showing me. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited to jump in because I believe this, that God wants his kids to be blessed. Amen? He wants you to be blessed and not only to be blessed, but that you would be a blessing to the world around you. How many of you love to give? Like, I'm not taking up another offering, but it's like, it is such a joy to give and to see lives transformed for people to know uh, that they're loved. Um, So I enjoyed talking last Sunday about the Father's heart for your finances because God actually has a heart for your finances and he wants to see you blessed. He wants to see you prosper. He wants to see you thrive. Now, some people have manipulated that into um, what some would call a prosperity gospel, which I am more in favor for than a poverty gospel, amen? Um, And... And some would, would make a like prosperity gospel really all about what you can get. And that's not the gospel at all. The gospel is that we get God and we get to be a blessing with God to the world around us, right? And it's actually not even about money. It's way bigger, way better than just money. But it does include your finances and God does want to bless you in your finances. And it's not necessarily that you would have lots of money and nice cars, and multiple houses, and whatever else, crazy vacations, but it's that he wants to see you provided for in everything that you're called to do, that you could be a blessing that you would not lack, and that you would get to be a blessing to the people around you and to the nations, amen? So last Sunday after I uh, preached, we were talking about the story of Elijah and the widow from Zarephath, and the short version of that story is that Uh, God told Elijah uh, to pray that it would not rain in the land, and it did not rain. And so God set Elijah up and put him next to a brook. Ravens brought him food, um, and he was taken care of. And the point of that is that regardless of the economy, God can take really good care of you because when we're God's kids, we operate on heaven's economy. That's good news, like one of you was saying just now. Um, and, And so then God took him from uh, the brook to this widow's house in Zarephath. And in Zarephath, God used a widow who was basically on her last meal. She had her and her son. She was on her last meal. She was going to eat it and die is what she told Elijah. And God used that, actually used Elijah to be the source of provision or the resource of provision for her and used her obedience to be a blessing to Elijah and to keep him fed. And here's what we know from that is that 
God is our source and he'll use whatever resource he wants to use to bless us, even if it's not logical, amen? So I shared that story, it talks a little bit more about some other stuff, um, and then some of our leaders came up to me afterwards and said, that story is for us as a church family. It's like, what do you mean? You see, one thing that I don't think they actually knew, but at the beginning of the year, we were planning to start casting vision for where God's taking us as a church family, and a good part of that includes raising money for a building. Is that exciting? Yeah. We need a place to call our own. We love this place. It's been a real gift to us, but God has called us to be a resource to the nations, and we need a home to call our own. Amen? And there's going to be lots of cool stuff that happens from there, and it's way bigger than just a building. Um, It's what God wants to do in our region and beyond. So we'll we'll do that, but what this... uh, a man said to me is that um, Freddie and our relationship, Freddie is our partner in Burundi who we're partnering with um, to plant a church that becomes a resource to Burundi and beyond. He's, he said this, that Freddie and our relationship is like Elijah and the widow of Zarephath. And that, whew. And that we have the opportunity, if we're going to step into the provision that God has for us, that we have the opportunity first to give to him and what God is doing there. You feel that with me? It's like, whew. Y'all could really pray for me that I'd stop being the crying pastor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm I'm kidding. (laughs) There we go. Yeah, there we go. And so here's what we want to do. We We want to, at the end of the month, take up a massive offering to bless Freddie and to pour into what God is doing there. Basically, the law in Burundi is that you have to have your own building in order to be a church. Um, And so it's posed some obstacles for them. And so um, we've been honored to be their supporting, sending, overseeing church. Um, And we have individually, many of you have already sewn into what's going on there. As a church, we give to them monthly Um, Freddie doesn't know that we're doing this. He'll probably, if he watches, he doesn't always watch, but sometimes he does. He may find out that way. But I feel like we're uh, supposed to just bless them and supposed to give extravagantly. What we do every fifth Sunday is we take up a a missions offering that just goes into our missions fund that would be a blessing to the nations. But the end of this month is the fifth Sunday. And uh, so we're going to give extravagantly Uh, to them. Now, giving extravagantly for you may not look like thousands of dollars. It looks like asking God what to give and give to that. But I believe this, that we do not give to get, right? Like that's, we give because we've received so much, and yet there is blessing in giving. And so I just invite you uh, to prayerfully consider what God would have you give to that. Um, We'll actually give Um, out of the church building fund as well because we just believe 
that God's called us to sow into that. Um, that's not, by the way, I don't make those type of decisions alone. I took that word to our elders. We sat around the table on Tuesday and everybody was, was in agreement. There wasn't even a conversation about it. It was like, that's what we're to do. So um, I just wanna invite you into that. And I believe that God wants to use us to be a blessing to the nations. I think it's actually part of the destiny of this church family. It's what God has designed us for is that we would be a blessing to the nations. And so just prayerfully consider what God would have you do um, in that. And, uh, and then we'll just have fun giving. Amen? All right, well, was, yeah, go with me to Matthew chapter six. So we're gonna look at what Jesus talks about concerning our finances and really what our heart is. So we'll just jump right in. Matthew six, if I can clear my eyes to see. Matthew six nineteen says, do not, by the way, this is uh, the second half of the Sermon on the Mount. It says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and still, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and still. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now that line tends to defy most of our logic. We tend to think where our heart is, there our treasure will be. But what Jesus is saying is, hey, you could actually play some tricks on yourself that way. So, you know, they don't understand. They don't know my intent. I just have a good heart. But what he's actually saying is what we treasure is where our heart follows. Amen. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Here's what Jesus is doing. This next verse will kind of land the plane with this thought is that he is actually calling us into repentance. Say repentance. And repentance is a good word. Tell your neighbor repentance is a good word. Here's, here's why repentance is a good word. The word means, the Greek word for repentance is metanoia. It means to change the way that you think. But it, it essentially means this, to return to a higher way of thinking. And so anytime you find that God says you're wrong, you've missed it, there's no condemnation in that. It's actually an invitation to a better way of thinking. You see, most of us, we get hurt. We're like, oh, I'm a failure. I'm wrong. I've missed it. And we miss in our own self-pity, we miss the invitation to a higher way of thinking. All God's saying is, he's not saying, hey, you're a horrible person. He's just saying, hey, come on, come closer. I've got better for you. And I just want you to know that there's actually a better way to live. So let's read this verse. It may, it may hit a little bit, but then we'll get to the good news after that, all right? It says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Now, you may be asking, well, what is mammon? Some translations actually put the word money in there. The word is not money. Tell your neighbor, okay, the word's not money. Mammon is not money. 
And it's not an ancient false god. There was no people group who had an idol to money. It's actually been all people group, all people groups. It's bigger than that. According to Jim Baker, not televangelist Jim Baker, different Jim Baker. Actually, I've got his book right here. If you wanna read on kingdom finances, I'm gonna read a portion of this in a second. It's called How Heaven Invades Your Finances, and it is brilliant, well-written, well-studied. It's a really good book. Anyways, Jim says this, that it's a demonic principality working to abuse money and you. That's what mammon is. And it goes on to say that, or Jesus says that nobody can serve two masters. So you can either serve God or you can serve the spirit behind wealth and riches and money. And it has a bunch of symptoms like greed and fear and worry. You get to choose which one you serve. So I have an interesting history with rivers. In fact, if you and I are friends hanging out, I would suggest that you don't go to the river with me. And here's why. About four years ago, uh, we had some friends in from Australia and uh, the Woods family, they were hanging with us and uh, turned out to be uh, one memorable trip. Uh, Josh was actually preaching um, on a Sunday morning, had a seizure from a brain tumor that he had from a, a uh, what was diagnosed to be a terminal brain tumor, had a seizure during like his closing as he was ministering to people. People got healed. He fell off the stage. It was uh, quite memorable. Um, Josh is actually now cancer-free miraculously, and they planted a church. <laughs> Incredible. But they would have never been able to live that journey had I killed them in the river. And so... We were going down the San Marcos River, Eliza and I, along with Josh, Elise, and their two kids. And we had all of our tubes tied together. And we're approaching the falls by uh, the river pub. You ever been there, anybody? Not the pub. I'm not asking if you go to the pub, all right? <laughs> Talking about the falls. And we didn't realize that you can't have your tubes all tied together as we went down the falls. And so our kids all got tossed out of the tubes and into each other and just started like, and we're like swimming to get them against the current, horrible. And so they fondly remember that as the time that Uncle Joel almost killed us. So fast forward from then till this last summer, we're with some of our friends uh, who are in from out of state and we're tubing the Comal River. Anybody done the Comal? And, uh, and so our friends entrust their five-year-old, six-year-old daughter, Annabelle, to me to go down the tube chute. And so Annabelle can't swim, so she can't be in her own tube, so she needs to go with Uncle Joel in his lap. And what I didn't realize is that my tube was like just a little bit deflated, and that was a problem. So we're going down... And somehow we end up backwards in the chute. And so she's in my lap and my flat tube as we're hitting, because there's not really any water in that river anyways, 
as we're hitting like where it hits into the river out of the chute, sure enough, it's like, well, it's like that time, Lauren, that we were walking with Eliza around Italy in the stroller and we tried to push the stroller up the curb, but instead it stopped and she flew out. You remember that time? <laughs> it's kind of like that, except instead of a sleeping baby falling face first on the concrete, a, a six-year-old, y'all aren't gonna let me around your kids at all, are you? parenting classes. Yeah, I'm not teaching those. Um, so, so Annabelle, who can't swim, flies out of the tube along with me out of the tube. And there's a lot going on right at the base of that big chute on the Comal River. And sure enough, we can like hardly find each other. I'm, I'm like not a, I can swim, but I'm not a, like an Olympic swimmer. And so I'm paddling like crazy. I've never swam like that before. I think I nearly walked on the water, but I just cannot get to her. Eventually, I grab her, and she is like crying, shaking, very mad at me. I ask her to forgive me. I think she said no at first. <laughs> and about 45 minutes later, with a big smile on her face, she says, that was exciting. I want to do that again. Here's my uh, lame point. Whatever God you serve is like a river. And when you submit your life to it, it's in control. And what Jesus is saying here is that you don't get to be in charge once you submit yourself to the river. You either are in the flow of mammon, and that is a money-hungry pursuit. And mammon does not care if you're a multimillionaire or you're absolutely broke. It will still attempt to rule your life, promise you what it will never give you, and destroy you. Or you can submit yourself to the flow of the river of God, the one that we just sang about, Jireh, our provider, the one that's more than enough. And when you submit yourself to his flow, then what you find is that he is always going to take care of you, that he has a way for you that's called blessed, and he's really, really good to you. And when you get in his flow, you find incredible life. You're either in the tube with Uncle Joel, or you're with Jesus. And you're watching God provide for you and take such good care of you. But one thing you can't do is be in both rivers at the same time. Now, let me say this. This has nothing to do with how little money you have or how much money you have. This has everything to do with what has you. Does God have you and your heart or does money have you and your heart? You see, when money has you and your heart, this will sound familiar. Money comes to you, mammon comes to you and entices you and says, come partner with me, I'll take care of you. And then says, this is the life that you've always wanted. 
I am the way to your dreams. I'm the way to be provided for. And then Mammon says to you, once you give yourself to me, I own you. There's no way out. And then says to you, once you decide that that's not the life for you, you can't get out because I own you. And if you try to leave, Mammon tries to convince you that you can't make it on your own, threatens you, never delivers on his promises, and abuses you all along the way. Now here's the truth, that Mammon treats you like a pimp, uses you, and abuses you, and promises you that you are always meant to be together. And when we live in this place, we find that our lives, no matter how much we have, it's never enough, and we're always a wreck. Let me read this to you from not televangelist Jim Baker. It says, no one can serve two masters. And he's talking about the word serve. Serve describes a servant or a slave, someone whose actions are being directed by someone else. One Greek scholar described serve in this way. The word is used to denote a servant who had become a slave for the rest of his life. The servant's lifetime responsibility was to service his master with all his attention, time, and energy. In other words, he catered to his master's every wish, desire, and demand. He was there to help, assist, and fulfill his master's wants and dreams to the exclusion of all else. This servant's entire existence was to the service of his master in whatever way the master asked or demanded. Sounds like the fine print on the American dream. It's interesting. I think one of the most misquoted verses is 1 Timothy 6.10. It says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now here's how it's misquoted. It says that money, people often say money is the root of all evil. Money is an inanimate object. It's not the root of all evil. In fact, it is a necessary tool for good. But when you see it as the source of good and the source of life, you fall into the trap of the love of money. And then it begins to hook you and do incredible damage in your life. Let me read this to you. This is not uh, chat GPT. These are my own thoughts. It's in Marks of Mammon. If you don't get that, it's a bit of an inside joke from last week. I used chat GPT to make uh, a list of 10 things combining Jeff Foxworthy's voice and Chris Valentin's voice on a poverty mentality. It was really good. So, but this is serious. This is not a joke, actually. Um, 
10 marks of mammon. It says, if I had more money, I could finally be happy and secure. Or I'm set because I have enough money. I can't blank because I don't have enough money. Now let me say this to you about that one, number three. God is so good that he will always provide for what he calls you to. When money is your master, you use language like, I can't afford that. But when you recognize that God is the provider and the source, then you realize that he's gonna take care of whatever he calls you to. And so if there's not provision for it, it may be that you're out of alignment with what he's doing, or it may be that you missed what he's invited you into, and it's great. He's not the scorekeeper. He doesn't try to figure out all of those pieces, try to figure out, God doesn't have to try to figure out anything. He's not keeping score, saying, well, if five years ago you would have done this, then I could bless you. But because you missed this, now I'm not going to bless you. That, that's not the way it works with God. But he does sometimes require us to repent or even to undo some bad decisions that we've made so that we can head in the right decision. But it's all because he's for us. So the idea that I can't afford it would suggest to one who is living in the stream of the flow of God, would suggest that God is calling you to do something that he forgot to provide for. And when we start to realize that he will provide for whatever he's called you to, then you realize I can't afford it is actually illegal language. Now, let me say this. There may not be money in the bank account for it. But you have to begin to understand that money is not your master. So the reason why you can't do it is that God is actually leading you in a better way because he's good. And so we don't blame our money. Instead, we ask God, okay, God, what are you doing? You see, the whole thing about our relationship with God in the context of money is that he wants to father us. He wants to walk with us into the provision. And so when one resource looks like it's drying up, you begin to ask him, God, what is the next resource? You're the source. What's the next one you're leading me to? You don't put all of the weight on your money. Instead, you say, okay, and this, like, this is true with kids. Lauren and I honestly are working this out in our own language with our kids. We don't have it down. But it's like, hey, eating out is not in the budget this month. But for us to say, hey, we can't afford it is not exactly true. It's that we've prioritized some other things in partnership with God that we are going to pursue. And so we're not gonna use, yeah, you can clap for that. So we're not gonna use poverty language, even if you don't have any money in your account. Instead, you're going to say, you know what? God's going to provide for what he's called me to. And our problem is this, when it comes to this idea of affording. We like to depend on God when we don't have anything. And then we like to depend on our money when we do. And we call that freedom, but it's actually a type of bondage. Because now you're back to serving mammon. And let me say this, God is not cruel. He's really good. And so he's not begging. He's not asking you to beg him for money that he doesn't want to give you or for permission to spend in a way 
that he doesn't, like, he's not holding out on you. That is one of the great lies from the enemy. It started all the way back in the garden. So, but what he was, does want to do is he wants to father you. He wants to lead you into life and he wants to protect you. Number four, we'll talk about this next week, so don't get your wallets in a wad yet. <laughs> I can't afford to tithe. Number five, tithing on my income is too much money to give to the church. Number six, my peace and joy are tied to my bank balance or material possessions. Number seven, I have broken relationships because of money. It is heartbreaking. It is a clear indication that mammon has actually been the functional God of America when our number one cause for divorce is related to money. You know that you're serving mammon when things take priority over people. When I use money to get my way, that's called manipulation, which is akin to witchcraft, by the way. When I constantly have fear, worry, and anxiety about money. Anybody challenged a little bit? Just me, okay, that's great. Let's keep reading. We were, yeah. Verse 25, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Tell your neighbor, don't worry. Be happy. What, what you will eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. This is not a line against saving and investing, by the way. It's just saying God's got you. There is wisdom in saving and investing. Read Proverbs, it's brilliant. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Can one of you by worry add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? I don't actually. <laughs> um, here's what I want you to, to think about when it comes to worry. That worry is actually sin. It's actually meditating on the thought that God will not take care of you. And, and when we begin, the reason why I tell you that is because I, I want there to be a click in your thinking when worry clicks in that I'm not supposed to go there. Like I, I'm trespassing. That's, that's an area that I'm not supposed to enter into. No, the reality is you have to think about something, right? And so what a good understanding of repentance does is when you get worried, you start recalling the times that God came through. You start worshiping him, you start thanking him. Why do you worry about clothes? Okay, we clarified that, I don't. See how the flowers of the field grow they do not labor or spin. I tell you, 
that not even Solomon on all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how, we started singing this, y'all, earlier. Wasn't that Esther? That was like, whoo, so good. It was like God was just rocking me during that. He's so good. Yet I told you the truth, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. Now this is, I think this next line is the key. If we can get a hold of this next line, this is like if repentance is to return to a better way of thinking, this is the crux of that thinking. It says, and your heavenly father knows that you need them. When we begin to understand that God is not distant, that he is not withholding from you, but that he's really good to you. And by the way, God not withholding from you does not mean that God does not withhold for you. And there's a big difference there. If we, if, if God wasn't a discerning God, if he didn't know which prayers to answer and when and in what order, then you would pray your life into a mess, right? You'd be like King Midas with the Midas touch and you'd just blow it all up. So you have to understand that God is your father and he's a good father. And for some of us, that means, actually for all of us, I would argue that I have the best dad in the world. Like he is awesome. And I still have to repent to realize, oh, my heavenly father is even better than that. All of us have to re-engage with the idea of father. And some of it means dealing with hurts and disappointments and abuses and absence and all of those things. But to realize that your heavenly father wants what's best for you. He's not going to be manipulated by you. He's not gonna give you everything you ask for, but he will take really good care of you. And so there are times that he withholds not from you, but for you so that you can be in alignment with his will, his purposes, his provision, what he needs for you to have so that you can live in the blessed life that he has for you. Amen? Amen. Then it goes to verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. All these things will be added to you as well. Jack Taylor, one of my spiritual fathers, he would say this, that we can add, right? Like we can start adding things to our life. I'm gonna go do this and I'm gonna add this piece and I'm gonna do this piece. But only Father God can add in order. And you've heard it said before that that good is the enemy of the best. And so often, we take good things and try to order our lives apart from God. But what he does is he puts them in the right order. And so when we seek him first, 
what we find is that our life is ordered and our finances even get ordered in the right place. You see, God wants to, if you haven't picked up on what I'm trying to say, God wants to father you and your finances. He wants to take really good care of you. And what he's saying is, when he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, what he's saying is this, surrender your life to me and I'll put everything in the right order. Now, here's what that doesn't mean. It doesn't mean a mindless surrender. In fact, it's actually a mindful surrender. It doesn't mean that I just say, okay, Jesus, take the will. My hands are off, my eyes are closed. Now just make the car go wherever you want. And some of us attempt to do that with our finances. The truth is, one of the ways that you know that you're living with a fear of your finances, maybe poverty thinking, maybe under that spirit of mammon, is if you're afraid to look at your bank account. And we think, oh, well, I just won't even pay attention to it. God's got me. It's like, no. He, he actually, it's more like this. One of my favorite things to do with my kids I won't tell you how early I start because you're surely going to report me after that. It's to let them sit in my lap and drive. Not on the highway, don't worry. Just in your neighborhood. And they're learning how to drive, right? Like I tried a little bit too young with the gas and brake. That was a bad idea. And there's another time that Evelyn almost ran over the neighbor's mailbox. But for the most part, it's like me letting them learn to drive in my lap. And the better and more trustworthy they get, the more authority I give to them in that. And that's what God wants to do with us and finances. But what most of us will try to do is be like a bratty teenager who finally gets his license and kicks dad out of the car. But he actually wants to stay in the car with you. And he wants to give you direction and he wants to help you. God actually wants to see you prosper. If you want to make good business decisions, invite God to be your business partner. We talked about that a while back, Jeff, and it like revolutionized the way you do business. Thank you. A little bit of allergies getting me. He calls it allergies. I thought that's cute. <laughs> Let God father you. Let him make decisions with you. And you'll never reach the point in life when you don't need a father. But those dynamics do change. But he's always, always there. Let me read a couple of verses to you that just expound on the Father's heart. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. That's good news. That's the Father's heart, is that you would have everything you need. Philippians 4, 19. And my God will meet all your needs. Now, by the way, When he says all, he means all. So oftentimes finances 
are talked about in scripture because finances are the topic. A lot of times, though, finances are talked about in scripture because they're the best metaphor for life. It means way more than just your finances. And so what it's saying here is that, and my God will meet all your needs according to his riches of glory in Christ Jesus. Absolutely, does that mean finances? Yes, single person in here. God will meet all of your needs relationally. Are you with me? Depressed person in here, struggling with hopelessness. God wants to meet all of your needs. He wants to take such good care of you. Like, regardless of what area of life it is, God wants to take care of you. And so, our response started off with talking about repentance. Our response, now, most of us, when we say, oh, I'm going to repent, we do it all with like tears of sadness. And if we had a little whip, we'd like beat ourselves up as if the cross was not enough suffering for you to be able to repent. When I lay a hold of better news, I tend to celebrate. I don't beat myself up for doing what I was doing. Instead, I recognize that wasn't good. Yes, there's a better way to live. Are you with me? So part of repentance is is the confession end of it, which says, oh man, I was missing God's heart for me. I was operating like an orphan. I wasn't letting him father me. I was stuck under the grip of mammon. And I turned from that. Now, there's a place for godly sorrow. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. But if you stay stuck there, you'll try to die on your own cross to make a way. When Jesus already did it and he's saying, hey, actually there's a better way to live. Go ahead and jump in this river and enjoy it. Step into the better that I have for you. And so this morning, my invitation to you is to not beat yourself up if you think you've been stuck under the grip of mammon, but instead to joyfully embrace the father and say, God, just father me. I just trust you to father me. Would you just follow? I'm all in with you. I submit my heart to you, my finances, my all. I realize that I haven't been doing that, that I've been trying to keep a bit back for me. I've been trying to keep control, but in my attempts to keep control, I've really actually just been under mammon. And I realize that I am all in with you now. I I just want to be all in with you. I, I surrender to your way of thinking, your way of living. Would you father me in my finances? Would you lead me? Your way is the best. It may not make sense. It may look like going to a widow from Zarephath in order to get the food that I need to survive. I don't care what it looks like. I'm trusting you and your voice in my life. Would you stand with me? We're going to have our ministry teams down front. They would love to pray with you. If you need prayer for anything, you may be here and you may need to make a decision for the first time to follow Jesus. And they would love to walk with you in that, to pray with you. You may be just in a a place where you just need somebody 
to pray for you, to minister to you. You may just need some encouragement and they would love that. You may be in a place where you have been on the journey of discovering God. Let me say this, we come into the faith by receiving Jesus as savior. But there's some other receiving that we do. We receive Jesus as savior. We receive a filling, a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that comes with power. And we also receive God as our father. And many of us, now the second two aren't about salvation, but many of us have given our lives to Jesus, but we've never invited God to father us. I would just say, you, you need to invite God to father you. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to enable you to do all that God's called you to do. He's the real source, the one that provides life. So this team would love to pray for you. It's regular that we see people healed. This last week, I came forward, Garth and Mary prayed for me. I'd been struggling with some stomach stuff and God just, just healed it right on the spot. And it's just normal that God heals. And so I just encourage you, if you've got pain, maybe you're fighting some sickness, maybe you've got even a terminal illness like, like cancer or a chronic illness that's just debilitating, they would love to pray with you. Um, so we're gonna worship a bit. We're gonna sing this song. I think we're singing the blessing. Yeah, and just allow God's heart to bless you, to wash over you. He wants to bless you so that you could be a blessing. So Father, we are your kids. We love you. We give you our hearts, our lives, our finances. All that we are is yours. It's all from you in the first place. And Lord, we don't wanna do it without you. We turn from self-reliance and trying to figure it out on our own that hasn't worked very well. So Lord, we just ask that you would lead us, that you would fill us with your life. In Jesus' name.